Praise God. <laughs> Jesus is the healer currently, presently, today. He still heals. Amen. I can testify of me, of my husband, of my kids. He's healed us all. Thank God. Thank God. My daughter had seizures, but she doesn't anymore. Hallelujah. He's faithful. He is faithful. So if you're believing God for healing and still standing, don't stop standing. He is faithful. The only thing that's going to happen is if you stop standing, as you can be guaranteed, you're not going to get what you were asking for. You don't waver in that faith, and he is faithful. You'll get what he promised you. Amen. Well, a few weeks ago, we taught on Matthew 11. Who is anybody here for that one? Walk, work, watch. That was hard to say. Say that five times real fast. You can't. But um, out of Matthew 11, I'm going to read it real quick because this is the verse that inspired this series. And he said, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And this last year for me has been the busiest one of my entire life. So that particular verse and that particular translation has just really been... <laughs> CPR to me. I'm going to show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. You know, he said, are you tired? And I said, yes, I, yes, yes, I presently am tired. Anybody else presently tired? <laughs> are you worn out? Yeah, that goes beyond tired. And I, I would raise my hand to that too. Are you burned out on religion? Yeah, religion stinks, doesn't it? <laughs> He was talking to people who were under that Judaism. They were trying to put that heavy yoke of the law on them. And there's no rest in the yoke of the law. And so I just kept listening and t reading this and, and hearing him say, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. So that prompted for me a quest for rest. Because he kept saying, I'll show you how to take a real rest. And every time I went for him, to him to have him lighten my burden, all he kept saying was, my grace is sufficient. And I'm like, no, 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 I want you to take something off. <laughs> I can't do this. I want you to take something off. And he said, yes, you can, and my grace is sufficient. I'm like, no, I don't think you heard me right. <laughs> I, 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 I'm at my limit. I cannot do one more thing. And he goes, yes, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, darn it. <laughs> I guess I really wanted you to take something off. I didn't know which, what to take off. But So it, it prompted me on this quest for rest that Jesus probably was even busier than I am. Don't you think? Everybody wanted a piece of Jesus. Everybody wanted to be with him. So I thought, if I'm going to be on this quest for rest, if I'm going to learn anything about balance, if I'm going to learn anything about maintaining and living a rested, refreshed life and finding that real rest, Jesus was never agitated. He was never out of peace. He was never worried. He was never stressed. He never got stressed. I want to get to the place where I never get stressed. 
And my husband said, Amen, hallelujah. <laughs> I want her to get there too. Because <laughs> you know when mommy ain't happy. So I'm on this quest for rest. And um, in this uh, verse, that word rest means to quit and to refrain, to desist, to refresh. It means an intermission for your souls. And I thought, that is just so cool. It's an intermission for your souls. And my kids just finished up being in a play in the theater. It was a musical, Shrek the Musical. And they're long. Theater plays are long. It's not just like a movie where an hour and 10 minutes later, you're out the door. I mean, an hour and a half later, you get an intermission so that you can get up and stretch, change your position, and get ready to go back in for another hour and a half. <laughs> We're just not used to sitting that long, are we? So this, he's teaching us how to find an intermission for our souls. Because if we don't have those times of rest where we desist, where we stop, where we have that intermission, we're going to go off and we're going to continue to be tired, worn out, and burned out. And that's not where he wants us to be. And so it prompted a study, and I just started studying Jesus. And this series has taken on a little bit different vein than I thought it would. thought it would be very systematic. But what really happened in my, my prayer that as this moves forward in this series, what happened for me as I kept reading and studying Jesus and studying through the Gospels was I just fell in love with him so much more. The more I read, the more I wanted to read, and I would just sit there and cry. Think, wow, you're so amazing. He was so smart. He was just so strategic in what he did. And he knew how to draw healthy boundaries, and everything he did was just so amazing. He always had the right answer. He was always full of power. He was always full of grace. And it just made me so amazed at who he is. So we are going to look at him. We're going to watch how he does it, and we're going to break it down into some different topics. It's not necessarily going to be a three-point, take this home, and you can do this kind of a thing, but we're going to see Jesus as our example, and I think falling in love with him and our eyes being opened again to the, these aspects of him are going to help us to grow and to come up some levels in these areas too, amen? So the first one I want to talk about tonight uh, is humility. And this isn't where I wanted to go. I really wanted to go with, you know, abiding. He knew how to abide in his father and kind of go off into that rest part of it. But he kept pulling my heart back to humility. So we're going to start here. And I really want to start by reading Philippians 2. Let me get there. starting in verse 3. It says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God is something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. 
When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. And so Jesus is our example in humility. And I'm going to read parts of this really quick in the Amplified Version. In verse 5, it says, Let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind or mindset be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility. And that word humility and humble, it means humiliate, abase, depress, and to bring low. Now, when we think of Jesus, we don't think of somebody, uh, we don't think of humiliation. We don't think of depressed. A depression, you know, our parking lot has many (laughs) depressions. It's an area that is lower than the rest of the ground, right? That's why we do this when we drive through the parking lot. (laughs) My kids love it. But this is Jesus. Jesus was depressed, not emotionally, okay? Humiliated. So when we come back and read this again, where it says Jesus humiliated himself, Jesus brought himself low for us. And so this is what I want to look at tonight. I should probably use the hands-free thing. I could use two hands tonight. Pride is very, very vile in the eyes of God. In Proverbs and in Psalms, it talks about the things that God hates. And homosexuality is not on the top of the list. Adultery is not on the top of the list. Pride is on the top of every list of the things that God hates. And I love that Jesus was a daily living, breathing example of what walking in humility looked like. And it's what we're supposed to do too. And so we're going to look at this from some different angles, but pride was disgusting in Luke 10, 18, because Jesus saw some of these things firsthand. Let's go to Luke 10, 18, and we're going to hop around a little bit tonight, so bear with me. It'll all come together in the end. Luke 10, 17, it says, When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey what we, you, when we use your name. I should put my glasses on. Even the demons obey when we use your name. And he, Jesus said, yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. So he's saying, really, that, that excites you? I saw him fall from heaven like lightning. He has no power. He has no authority. There's nothing here. And we get so excited that we have authority over there, or that this obeys us. No, this should just be natural. This shouldn't even be something to go, woo. It just should be natural. He saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And I want to go back into Isaiah 14 and read this. In verse 12, it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, pride, listen for the pride. I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away, from, far away in the north. I will climb 
to the highest heavens, and I will be like the Most High. Instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. Everyone there will stay, stare at you and ask, can this, can this really be the one who shook the earth? Is this really the one we were afraid of all that time? We're going to look at him and go, really? That's who we were afraid of? And Jesus was there when this happened. He told his disciples, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And what he's saying is, I saw the effects of pride in the heart. Jesus knew his limitations. Jesus knew that he was in a flesh and blood body. He knew that within his flesh, the possibility of pride existed. It existed in all flesh. The Bible said he was tempted in all points like we were, yet was without sin. He knew what flesh could be like. He saw firsthand what pride could do. He saw God resist the proud and cast him down out of heaven. Pride is vile. 1 Peter 5 and James 4, 6 says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And let's read that real quick in the Amplified because it brings it into some clarity. La, 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 la. Verse 5. Clothe or apron yourselves, all of you, with humility as the garb of a servant so that its covering cannot possibly be stripped from you with freedom from pride and arrogance toward one another. For God sets himself against the proud. Let's say that again. God sets himself against the proud. Against the insolent, the overbearing, the disdainful, the presumptuous, the boastful. And he opposes them. He frustrates them and defeats them. But God gives grace, favor, blessing to the humble. Now, which side do you want to be on? <laughs> do we want God opposing us, frustrating us, <laughs> defeating us? Or do we want grace and blessing and favor? God resists the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. And so Jesus saw God resist the proud. He saw what happened when pride aired its ugly head, and I think it is hilarious hilarious <laughs> when Satan said, I will be like the most high God. And God cast him down to the earth and flooded the earth with people made in his image and his likeness. It's like you wanted to, you thought you were going to be higher than me. Well, guess who's going to be over you? Made in my image, made in my likeness, and they're going to have authority over you Nana, nana, boo-boo. <laughs> but if you think about it, that's what Satan tempted Eve with in the garden. Ooh, Eve, look at this fruit. It's amazing. It's going to make you like God. The sad thing was Eve didn't know who she was because Eve was already like God. But Satan was full of pride, and Jesus saw him cast down. So he knew the evilness and the vileness and what happened. 
when pride reared itself and he kept himself humble. He humbled himself. God does not humble us. God did not humble Jesus. Jesus humbled himself. Humility is an inside job. We are responsible for our own humility. Jesus saw Satan get cast out of heaven. He saw God resist the proud. That's why his whole life was one act of humility after another. And in John 1, 1, these are just some ways that we can see Jesus' humility. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. This is Jesus before he became human flesh. He was with God. He was God. He always has been. He always will be. There was nothing in all of creation that was created without his word, without his say-so. God willed it. Jesus spoke it. The Holy Spirit performed it. Nothing was created. Nothing you see out there was created without Jesus saying it could be so. God. And yet in verse 14, it said, The word became flesh and made his home among us. The Word became flesh. The Word became human. Jesus took on human form. Jesus humiliated himself and made his home among us, not above us. He didn't stand up here. (laughs) He didn't stand up here above us. He lived among us so that we can see every single aspect, every single side. Do you have a good side and a bad side? I like pictures on this side, not so much on this side. Take them from this side. It's my good side. This is my church face. Look at this one. Don't come home and look at my home face. Jesus didn't have a home face. He made his home among us so that we could see every single side of him. And it was all good. He made his home here on earth. You know what the Bible says the earth was to him before he made himself flesh? It was his footstool. I have a footstool in my house. (laughs) It's just a tiny little thing in my tiny little living room that's in my house that I put my feet on. And yet Jesus confined himself to live on his footstool. That's what humility looks like. I just was so amazed by that. Why would you do that? He was God. He had all the privileges and sat in heaven and received all the glory and the praise and the accolades with the angels flying everywhere. And he goes, yeah, I'm not going to stay here. That would be like the Queen of England <laughs> saying, yeah, Buckingham Palace, no, I'm going to go live in the orphanage down the street. But he did it for us. Humbled himself, humiliated himself. 
Luke 2. I love this part. Verses 41 through 52. It says, Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and their friends. When they couldn't find him, I'm sure they panicked. Have you ever lost your child? We lost Allie one time, at home even. <laughs> and I just started, somebody stole her out of the front yard. What in the world? <laughs> couldn't find her. You know, your heart just, the thump, the thump, the thump. You think. And how much more for pressure for them? They lost the son of God. God, I'm so sorry I lost your son. I'm sure you know where he is. If you could tell us, that'd be great. <laughs> when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. And three days later, for three days, they lost the Son of God. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Three days after they lost him. They lost him. They realized it at night. I'm sure they had to sleep. They didn't travel at night back then. So then they got up the next day and for three days searched for him. Never once did they search the temple. I'm sure they searched the soccer fields. They went and looked at the baseball fields. Is he throwing the football around? Let's check out all the teenage hangouts. He was a teenage boy. They didn't expect him to be in the temple. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Another translation said, didn't you know that I must be about my father's business? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in, his, in her heart. Don't you know I have to be about my father's business? And I'm sure Joseph looked at him and goes, uh, Carpenter, what does this have to do with my business? <laughs> Hello, I didn't build the temple. Solomon took care of that. And, and Ezra and Nehemiah rebuilt the wall and everything. So had to be about his father's business at age 12. Even at age 12, Jesus knew who he was. He knew exactly who he was, and he knew who his heavenly father was. He knew his identity. He was very confident in that. But confidence does not equal pride, right? Just because somebody's confident does not mean they're in pride. He knew who he was, but he also knew who enabled everything that he did. And over and over and over, you'll, you'll hear Jesus say, I say only what I hear the Father say. I can do only what I hear the Father do. It's not me that does the works, it's the Father in me, always returning all the glory to God, the Son of God, Jesus, the Word made flesh, took credit for 
Nothing. He knew who he was. And I've, you know, struggled with insecurities, not always being confident. But I I have done some studies and some different things and started to gain some confidence in different areas. And, And I was on a walk one morning and the Holy Spirit was very specific and he said in your confidence don't become self-reliant so okay yep i don't want to do that because <laughs> even though i am gaining confidence in who i am it's always because of who i am in christ i can never be confident in my flesh my flesh fails daily so in our confidence we don't want to get self-reliant but jesus was our example in that too that humility and if somebody even called him good master And he goes, why are you calling me good? There's only one who was good, and that is God. Always, always, always turn to the glory back to God. Why? He was in flesh, and he knew what flesh was capable of. He knew what flesh could do if he didn't keep it under. If flesh gets unchecked, flesh is ugly. That's why Paul said in the epistles, I beat my body daily, daily put it in check. Jesus daily had to keep himself and his pride and his ego in check. He was tempted in all points as we were, yet he was without sin. And even when in John 7, you know, where it says, come unto me if you're thirsty, come and drink. Out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. If you go up in that chapter, his brothers came to him and said, are you going to the festival? And he goes, um, thinking about it. (laughs) They said, well, how are you going to get famous if you don't go out there and just be among your people? You know, all you want is to get famous. And Jesus said, no, I'm not going to go. And then you read down a few more verses and he went privately. He went by himself. He didn't tell anyone who was going. He was just sitting in the back row. And then he started talking and teaching a little. And then he stood up and said, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. It was a progression. Why? Could it be that he had to make sure his motives were right? Am I doing this just to get famous? I don't want any of this motive to be just about me. All this glory needs to go. I don't have to go be in front of people. Isn't he so amazing? For 33 and a half years, never once took the credit. Never once took the glory for himself never once stepped into pride. He's our example of humility. It's not pride to know who you are. It's pride to think you're better than someone else because of who you are. Knowing who you are is a good thing. Thinking I'm better than you because of who I am, not so good. Even sinners. I'm better than you because I don't sin like you. My sin's different than your sin, so I'm better than you because I have this under control and you don't. Mm, mm, mm. No. Yuck. Everyone say yuck three times. Yuck, yuck, yuck. No. Pride looks with mercy with grace. I might have it together in this area, and if you don't, I'm not going to come to you and go, Really? I'm going to go over there on my knees and go, Father, if her her eyes need to be opened, help her. If she's struggling in this area, help her. 
be with her. Pour your spirit out on her. Let your strength rise up in her. Let your grace saturate her. Because I know I wouldn't have victory over this if it wasn't for your grace. There's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves, ever, ever. That's where you go back to Matthew 11 where he's saying, you burned out on religion? Religion takes the credit. Relationship gives the credit all to him. Because I wouldn't be who I am. I couldn't overcome anything if his strength and his grace were not on the inside of me. One other thing I just love about this story (laughs) is that Jesus was 12 and he tried to step out into ministry. He went into the temple. He wanted to be about his father's business at 12. And his mama came and said, it's not time yet. Let's go home. And he obeyed. Jesus tried to step out early. I love that. But you know why? Because there's a timing to things. It wasn't his time. And you heard him say over and over and over, my time has not yet come. My time has not yet come. My time has not yet come. Because he learned there's a timing to things. And if you finish that chapter, it says Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. So if you're frustrated about where you are, just know Jesus probably was too. (laughs) He tried to step out at 12 years old. There is a timing to things. And God's got a plan. And as long as you're walking in step with him and keeping real close to him, you're going to walk right into your destiny. Okay? Don't get frustrated. But then I also love that it was mama that pushed him into ministry. So (laughs) in John 2, you know the wine? He goes, woman, (laughs) mama, it's not my time. It's like, do whatever he says. (laughs) So mama held him back. Mama pushed him on. Kids need to listen to their mamas. Amen. (laughs) Hey, that's the moral I get from that story, right? Matthew 3. Just have a couple more examples of Jesus walking in his humility. This astounds me that he did this. Matthew 3, verse 13. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you. Why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it needs to be done. We must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and setting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son and who I am well pleased. And John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. And so after I started studying humility and studying the life of Jesus and watching how he did it and that I read the story again, it just completely amazed me because Jesus didn't do anything to repent of. And everybody that had been to that river to be baptized by John and everyone that was there that day knew it was a baptism of repentance. So here comes Jesus who had never missed it 
in front of all these people comes down and says, I need, I need baptized. I need this baptism. I mean, were they mocking him? I thought you were perfect. I've never seen you miss it. He humiliated himself. He didn't care what anybody thought of him. This is what God requires, so this is what I'm doing. I don't care what any of them say. John, I don't care what you say. It has to happen. This needs to be humility. He humiliated himself so that he identified with us. In that baptism, he identified with us. He had to do that. He had to do that. Hebrews 2, 18. Are you with me? It's real quiet. Real quiet in here tonight. I didn't mean for it to be so quiet. Don't you love Jesus? Oh, Jesus, we love you. Verse 16, it says, We also know that the Son of God did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters. You know, it says somewhere else, he's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. He's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. The perfect one, the golden child, is not ashamed to acknowledge me as his sister. It's just so awesome. So that he had to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. If he had not identified with us in that baptism, He would not have been able to help us. He had to experience it all. And he didn't sin, but he had to experience that so that he could relate to us, so that he could help us, so that he could be a merciful and just high priest. Hallelujah. You see why I kept falling in love with him more and more? He is so good. He humiliated himself for me out of obedience to God. And it wasn't until after he did that that God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That act of humility. God resists the proud, but he gives. Amen. He acted in humility when he was tempted in the wilderness. How? By being tempted to the, in the first place. He was never tempted in heaven. He didn't contend with this flesh in heaven. And in the wilderness, when the, the Bible says that he was tempted for 40 days, we see three. We see three little examples. Those were not the only temptations. For 40 solid days, he was in that wilderness being tempted by the enemy. He had to put his flesh under. He had to contend with flesh. Was he thinking, wow, what was I thinking? Why? (laughs) It was so much easier up there. Why did I come down here? No. But every day, out of humility and obedience to God, 
If you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you are the son of God, go ahead and cast yourself down. He's gonna, he'll save you. If you are the son of God, over and over. He heard it over and over. And I like something that um, I wrote in my margin of my Bible that I just wanted to read. The enemy kept saying, if you are the son of God, Jesus knew who he was. We covered that. He didn't feel the need to prove it. Pride proves it. Jesus didn't have to prove who he was. When they came to him and said, by what authority do you do these things? He didn't tell them. He didn't have to. He didn't have to prove it at all. Pride feels the need to prove it. Jesus trusted himself to the one who judges rightly. He's so good. He is so good. He displayed humility in listening to people talk about him. Who, who do people say that I am? He didn't correct them when they were wrong. Who do you say that I am? He didn't tell them they were right. He said, God revealed it to you. Didn't take any credit. He knew who he was. But listening to people talk about him, don't you know who I am? Not one time did he get haughty. Not once. In listening to people, ooh and ah, the Pharisees, ooh, the temple, ah, the temple. Jesus is like, see those stones? Yeah, I made those. I remember on the third day when I made those stones. Not one time did he feel the need to tell anybody, I made all that. That tree you see? Yeah, I spoke it. Spoke it right into existence, baby. <laughs> that would be pride. Humility can keep quiet, right? In the garden, he could have called for legions of angels to come save him. But he humbled himself even further to a criminal's death. Not only did he never need a baptism of repentance, but he died between two criminals, naked, humiliated, beaten, publicly, scorned, publicly, we get mad when they laugh of us at work. Oh, she's a Christian. Humility doesn't have to speak. And again on the cross, and he heard those same temptations, those same words over and over and over. If you're the son of God, come down there. Come down from there. If you're the son of God, if you are who you say you are, then show us and come down. Humility doesn't have to prove it. Humility doesn't have to say a word. I'm so thankful he didn't say anything. I'm so thankful that he kept his mouth shut for me. And sometimes I wonder if he thinks, hmm, you should do this. Try it. Try it sometime. You'll really like it. <laughs> Don't you just get around some people and you feel like you, the need to defend yourself? I have control over me. 
I remember I was probably 10 years out of Bible school. And I was working for Tony and Patsy Caminetti. They were missionaries. I was overseeing their stateside office. And uh, bumped into, or was talking with some people from Bible school who were missionaries and preachers and pastors. And, oh, what are you doing? Well, I'm a secretary for Tony and Patsy. Oh, you're still a secretary? Hang in there. That'll change someday. You'll get there. <laughs> like, well, you know. And then you start to feel less than, also, pride. <clears throat> Being confident in where you are in God and doing what He's called you to do is humility. I felt the need to defend myself. And then I started thinking, you know, that verse, he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Well, maybe I'm not faithful. Where did I miss it? I must be missing it somewhere. I'm not being faithful. He's so good. He kept his mouth shut for me. He didn't feel the need to defend himself. He didn't feel the need to prove himself. He defeated pride. He defeated ego. He defeated every temptation regarding that so that I could live. Philippians 2 says, let this mind be in you. Let Jesus be your example of humility. It's a choice that we get to make every day. It's a choice sometimes I fail at. It's a choice sometimes I do well at. John 13, 15, after Jesus washed their feet, he said, I have given you an example to follow. And in Luke 22, 27, he said, I am among you as one who serves. He was showing us how to do it. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Matthew 10, 1, Jesus called his 12 disciples to send there together, gave them authority and sent them out. Pride says, I have to do it all myself. Humility said, somebody else can do it and they can do it just as well as me. And that's great. Jesus didn't feel the need to hoard the spotlight. No, I'm, I'm the miracle worker. It's just me. No. He empowered as many as he could, and he kept sending them out, sending them out, sending them out. Pride says, no, I'm the only one. We don't want that. Humility says somebody else can do it too. Pride hoards the spotlight, and humility turns it and shines it on someone else. He's good. We'll just close with this verse again. Are you getting anything out of this tonight? Are we okay? Isn't Jesus awesome? Doesn't it make you just want to be more like him? It just makes me, reading through the Gospels and watching how he did it, I just thought, oh, Jesus, I can do this because of what you did for me. There's no defeatist mentality here. There's rest and humility. When he said, watch how I do it, humility was such a huge part of how he did it. And there's a real rest when you live a humble life. 
truly the way that Jesus did it. Because what it, it says is, I trust you with me so that I can lift them up. Humility, there's just such a rest there. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me and get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And when we walk with him and watch how he does it and read those gospels and, and study the life of Jesus and feed ourselves with humility, it becomes second nature. What you feed is going to get stronger and what you starve is going to get weaker. Amen. So let's feed humility. You with me? Father, I just pray that you would take this and break this bread apart as we leave tonight. To each heart that is here, Father, to each heart that will hear the podcast or the CD, help us to become more like you. Let our hearts burn with a hunger to be just like Jesus. Help us to fall more and more in love with you as we watch how you do it. And Father, most of all, I pray for that grace those unforced rhythms of grace that you talked about in relation to rest, that they would flood our hearts, that they would flood our minds and saturate our bodies and enable us to stand in humility. Show us what that means as we go throughout this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great week, everyone. See you Sunday.